This is Alan Seaborn from Winning at Home. Welcome to In Progress, a podcast about faith, life, and how we grow. And for this episode, I'm going to be sharing a passage from, or just one verse from 2 Corinthians chapter 10. But before I get to that, I want to kind of set it up, give you a little bit of the backstory of where I'm coming from and of what I think this verse really speaks into where we find ourselves in life right now. And um, this verse, I, I believe God brought it to my mind because last week, um, I know when you're listening to this is different and you don't know what when I'm recording this, but anyway, maybe five or six days ago, um, I was just really frustrated about something. And I was driving and, you know, sometimes when I'm driving, I'll, uh, I'll spend some time praying. I don't do it every time I'm driving, but I was just really frustrated. And I thought, okay, I, I really need to prioritize this right now. And so I started praying and I don't normally do this, but I just started talking out loud. I felt like it helped me kind of keep my mind on track a little bit more, helped keep me on, um, not on task, but that kind of an idea, right? To actually say what I was thinking and communicating to God out loud kind of helped me keep my train of thought and help keep me on, um, on what I was trying to do, which was express kind of my frustration and where I was at. And in the midst of that, like I say, I really believe God brought this, this verse that I'm going to be sharing in this episode to mind. And before I read the verse, I want to read something else from um, a book that I really <laughs> like a lot. It's called Mistakes Were Made, But Not By Me. And what this book does is it goes through and it talks about all the different ways that we use uh, self-justification, all the ways that we try to kind of cover over the faults, the flaws, the mistakes, the whatever you want to call them. Uh, the thing, well, actually the subtitle here is why we justify foolish beliefs, bad decisions, and hurtful acts. And really when you, uh, when you think about it, it's often so obvious to the people around us what's going on, the, the blind spots, the weak points that we have. But we spend a lot of time trying to convince ourselves and then by extension trying to convince other people that we don't have those blind spots, we don't have those faults, that's not actually a weakness, da-da-da-da-da. And so uh, when I read through this book, it really, <laughs> it really hits home a lot of different ways um, because you, I'm just looking at the cover. Here's kind of a pull quote that they put up from the Wall Street Journal review of the book. By turns entertaining, illuminating, and when you recognize yourself in the stories it tells, mortifying. And uh, I'm just sitting here holding the book and just notice that. I probably have read it before, but... Uh, I think that explains kind of where it's at, right? And what what 
this is all about. And so I'm going to read a section in here. Uh, this is talking about a social psychologist named Lee Ross. And so I'm going to read maybe two paragraphs here. And I think it's going to set up kind of where I'm going here and what, uh, what the verse that we're going to be looking at in this episode is all about. So Ross, this guy who's doing these research uh, things from his laboratory experiments and from his efforts to reduce the bitter conflict between Israelis and Palestinians, knows whereof he speaks. Even when each side recognizes that the other side perceives the issue differently, each thinks that the other side is biased while they themselves are objective and that their own perceptions of reality should provide the basis for settlement. In one experiment, Ross took peace proposals created by Israeli negotiators, labeled them as Palestinian proposals, and asked Israeli citizens to judge them. The Israelis liked the Palestinian proposal attributed to Israel more than they liked the Israeli proposal attributed to the Palestinians. He says, if your own proposal isn't going to be attractive to you when it comes from the other side, what chance is there that the other side's proposal is going to be attractive when it actually comes from the other side. Closer to home, social psychologist Jeffrey Cohen found that Democrats will endorse an extremely restrictive welfare proposal, one usually associated with Republicans, if they think it's been proposed by the Democratic Party. And Republicans will support a generous welfare policy if they think it comes from the Republican Party. Label the same proposal as coming from the other side, and you might as well be asking people if they would favor a policy proposed by Osama bin Laden. No one in Cohen's study was aware of their blind spot, that they were being influenced by their party's position. Instead, they all claimed that their beliefs followed logically from their own careful study of the policy at hand, guided by their general philosophy of government. Now, I hope that you see what I'm getting at here and the frustration, the disillusionment, the um, disappointment when we find that what we think is maybe not even necessarily what we think, but maybe what we think we're supposed to think. And I read that because I want to share this verse from 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And this is verse 5. I'm going to read the whole verse, but really the point that we're going to be looking at is the second part of the verse here. Paul says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So I want to really spend some time talking about that. We take every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ. Like I said, I was driving down the road the other day, frustrated, just kind of talking and praying out loud. And God brought that idea to my mind to make uh, 
every thought, take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. I started thinking through how we maybe without even realizing it, and this is why I wanted to read this section from the from the book that I read earlier, um, without even realizing it, maybe, we take our thoughts captive, not all the time, right? But a good chunk of the time, and we make them obedient to something. But often what we do is we make our thoughts obedient to our political alignment. We take our thoughts captive and we make them obedient to our family or our friends and their expectations. On a really stupid (laughs) note, um, my dad and I were down in Columbus, Ohio from Michigan. So we have Michigan license plates, not University of Michigan, just the state of Michigan license plate. Neither me nor him cares anything about college sports at all. But we were from Michigan where, if you don't know, the University of Michigan and Ohio State have a big rivalry. And we were in the city where Ohio State is based out of. And we had people, no joke, we had people honking at us and flipping us off because we had a state of Michigan license plate, not a university of Michigan, no stickers or just a state of Michigan license plate. (laughs) And, you know, you think about people in that situation in that moment. And probably those of you with a Ohio license plate, if you drove to Ann Arbor, it would probably be the exact same reaction. So I'm not taking a side here, but I'm saying it's really normal it's really common for us to take some of our thoughts captive and make them obedient to something. So whether that's, like I said earlier, our political alignment, whether that's current public sentiment, whether that's what our family and friends' expectations are of us, whether that's in, in um, obedience, that's a weird one to say, but to the sports team that we follow, right? (laughs) If I like this team, I'm supposed to root hard against the other team. Um, Now, I'm not saying that all those things are bad. There are definitely times where it makes sense to fit in, where it makes sense to go, okay, what is the appropriate thing in this setting with these people? Um, I would actually say, that that's one of my big weak spots that I am un, I don't know, (laughs) I don't know the word unable, probably unwilling is a better word to say, uh, to do that kind of thing where I'm just like, no, I'm not going to say what, what I'm supposed to say in this setting because I don't actually think that. And, um, yeah, anyway, so that's my, that's my own separate thing. I don't even know why I said that because it doesn't tie in or connect to what I'm where I'm going here. Um, but we're practiced on some level at taking our thoughts captive because we want to make sure that it fits in with our group. We want to make sure that we're Um, You know, whatever language you want to use, whatever reasoning behind 
making sure that you're, you know, if it's you want to be on the right side of history, if you want to say, I want to be consistent with my beliefs, if you say whatever it is, we're practiced on some level at taking thoughts captive and making them obedient to something. But what Paul is reminding us here is that as followers of Jesus, what we're called to do is to take those thoughts captive and make them obedient to him, to his lordship. And this calling on our lives, um, I recorded a couple episodes ago, Uh, an episode called Thinking in a Disciplined Way. And I actually (laughs) regret now that I used that title because um, this idea, this verse was something God brought to my mind since then. And I think that probably would be a better title for this episode, but uh, what are you going to do? But I really do think that this is something that we need to discipline ourselves to do that we need to start uh, being very intentional in the moment of saying, okay, before I go down that road, I'm going to take this thought captive. And instead of making sure, you know, maybe the word obedient is kind of throwing you off there. So maybe instead of making sure that this thought is in proper alignment with what I feel like I'm supposed to think, based on public sentiment, based on my political alignment, based on the people around me, what they expect from me, Uh, instead of making sure our thoughts are in alignment with those things, Paul reminds us that we need to take every thought captive and make it obedient to the lordship of Jesus. And I've got to say, That idea of taking every thought um, is really (laughs) daunting. It's really intimidating. It's really a high, high, high standard. And when I read through this verse and, you know, a lot of times I think um, the things that I share on these podcasts are really things that I'm needing to grow in, right? And that's kind of why that's where I'm at. This is what I'm learning. This is where I'm growing, or this is where I need to grow. And I get to sit down and share it. And hopefully it resonates and other people are in the same spot and need to grow in that area too. Now this one, I don't think it's a case of hopefully other people need to grow in this area. I think this is something that we all definitely need to grow in because Like I say, it takes so much discipline. It takes so much uh, willingness to be quick to obey, to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Jesus, make it obedient to his lordship. We call ourselves Christians, followers of Christ, and we have the opportunity to be faithful to that name, to be faithful to the calling that God has placed on our lives. And one of the ways that we can practice that, live that out, is by being disciplined in the way that we think, 
by taking every thought captive and making it obedient, not to all the things we've been making our thoughts obedient to for the last days or months or years or our whole lives, but making it obedient to him. So let's go. It's going to be a process, right? It's going to be a, okay, in the moment, I'm mindful of that. Yep, I know I need to do that. And then when I'm not paying attention, it kind of drifts away and I kind of start thinking my own thoughts. But I want to encourage all of us to be disciplined, to be intentional, to take every thought captive and make it obedient to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. When we do that, we'll be pointing people toward him in a unique way because they'll see that we're not uh, bouncing back and forth based on, um, you know, (laughs) you can go and you can find politicians, you can find videos from 10 years ago or probably even more recently where they were standing up and publicly stating the exact opposite of the position that they now stand up and publicly state. Well, it's because now their team, their political team, has decided that they don't think that anymore or has made an actual choice to say, no, this is what we think, and this individual was out of alignment with that, with what they said before. And what we see is if we're doing life that way, um, we're going to have to be constantly on the lookout for the changing tide, for the way that people are viewing life today compared to how they were a few years ago. But if we make our thoughts, take our thoughts captive and make them obedient to Jesus, um, we're not going to be blowing in the wind. We're not going to be informed by public sentiment. We're going to be informed by what God is up to and who he wants us to be. And when people see that steadiness, that lack of frenzy, franticness, um, I can tell you that's going to point people to Jesus because it's going to be abnormal and confusing in a good way to people to say, how are you, how are you not living like I'm living? Um, And I really believe that when we practice what Paul writes about here, taking every thought captive, making it obedient to Christ, we'll see that play out in our lives.